Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we think about Jesus' transfiguration today, we see that only three disciples got to witness that transfiguration. And yet, through the accounts that we have in Scripture, through their eyewitness testimony, we get the same encouragement to run the race of the Christian life with focus. Focus on the glory of our Savior, Jesus. I did have a chance this week to talk to a few people that I know like to run. And I asked them this question. How much of running for a long distance would you say is mental and how much of it is physical? Some of you who run maybe can answer that question in your own mind. Maybe some of you who don't like to run as much have no idea. But would you be surprised to know that the majority of people who answered that question said it's mostly mental? I think if I asked them for a percentage, most said it was over 80% mental. One person even said it's 99% mental and 1% physical. I don't know how true that is, but I understand what they're saying, right? Running, at least to an extent, running for a distance is a mind over matter exercise, isn't it? If your mind is focused, if you're thinking of the right things, you can probably push your body to go a lot further than you would think otherwise. Perhaps there's a spiritual truth in that too. When we are focused, as we run the race of the Christian life, when our focus is in the right place, it's then that we can go the distance and finish the race all the way to our eternal joy. That's the truth we want to take from Jesus' transfiguration today in Matthew chapter 17. We want to run with focus on Jesus because when we focus on Jesus, we have the right look ahead to where we're going. So we'll look at these three aspects of the story of the transfiguration today. First, we'll recall Jesus' glory. Then we'll hear God's voice. And finally, we'll rejoice in Jesus' resurrection. Matthew reports the transfiguration in pretty straightforward terms. Listen again to the first two verses of chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. We're not told why in Scripture that Peter, James, and John had this relationship with Jesus where they became sort of the inner three disciples. But you might remember as you've read through the Gospels that it was those three, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus when the other disciples weren't at the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. You might remember that as we get closer to Jesus' sufferings and death, it's those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, who go deeper into the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus when he goes to pray. And it's those three that are here on the mountain with Jesus when he is transfigured. We're told in the text that, that Jesus took them up this mountain for some quiet time. Have you noticed that as you've gone through Scripture, especially the Gospels? How many times Jesus takes time out of his schedule, makes sure that he has time to reflect, to rest, to pray? There's a good lesson for us in that, isn't there? That as important as physical rest is, spiritual rest is important too. The Bible does not tell us which mountain Jesus took the disciples up, where the Mount of Transfiguration is. But it does certainly tell us that something incredible happened on that mountain. The word 
in our English text is that Jesus was transfigured. The Greek word, a word that we have brought into English, is metamorphosis. Jesus' appearance changed. Do you get the sense as you read that or you heard that part read that it was hard to describe exactly what had changed, but it had to do with brightness, with white, with bright white light. His face shone like the sun, we're told, and his clothes were white. If you go to Mark's gospel, Mark says that his clothes became whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Luke says that it was bright like a flash of lightning. All pictures that we kind of understand, right? There was brightness to Jesus. His appearance changed. Literally, Jesus was unveiling his glory. He was demonstrating to the disciples who he truly was, the Son of God, giving them a little glimpse of heaven. It was later, as we read in Peter's epistle, that Peter would recall that glory that he and his fellow disciples got to witness, the eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty. They knew that they had received a glimpse of heaven. Have you wondered how many times through the course of their ministries after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples must have thought back on this event? How many times they must have wondered, how did we miss it? We got to see Jesus in all of his glory on that Mount of Transfiguration. Of course we were walking not with a great prophet or teacher only, but with the Son of God himself. And maybe, again, there's a lesson spiritually in that for us. There can be days, can't there, where this race of our Christian life doesn't feel like it's going very well? Doesn't seem like we're really on the right track, that we're progressing toward the place that we want to go, the finish line? But when we remember the glory of Jesus, when we think about what the disciples got to witness on that mountain, that who it is that we're worshiping, the one who is in control of our lives, the one who has already died for us, is the Son of God himself, Doesn't that give us the proper focus on the finish line? That we're headed to the right place because that's the strength that Jesus gives us? Listen to the next section of Matthew chapter 17. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. There was more than just one surprise for the disciples on that mountain. It wasn't just that they got to see Jesus in all of his glory. No, Moses and Elijah appeared on that mountain. We're not told exactly how Peter recognized who they were, But he saw them standing there with Jesus. The other Gospels tell us that as they talked with Jesus, they spoke about his departure, what he was about to suffer and go through to pay for the sins of the world. Maybe we could ask ourselves, why Moses and Elijah? And perhaps the safest answer we can give to that is that they were faithful prophets, faithful witnesses to God's truth, carrying out the responsibilities that God had given them as they served his Old Testament people. Peter's reaction is kind of amazing, understandable as well. He doesn't really even know what's going on. That's what the other, the other gospel writers tell us. And so 
He wants to capture the moment. Oh, it's awesome to be here, God. It's so good to be here. Maybe we should put up some tents, some shelters for, for you and Moses and Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. But while he was speaking, God brought one more surprise to the disciples. A cloud covered them and a voice came from the cloud. We call this a theophany. It's God making an appearance. Yes, it was in the form of a cloud and his voice coming from that cloud, but God himself was present on that Mount of Transfiguration along with Jesus. And God's words demonstrate his approval of what Jesus was on earth to do, that he was the Messiah who was carrying out the salvation of every single soul. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased, God said. Listen to him. Those were the instructions that God gave to those disciples that heard his voice on that mountain. Listen to him. Think about how important that is to listen to the voice of God. The disciples certainly recognized the importance, although they were frightened by that voice. In fear, they fell down on their knees, trembling. I guess we can understand that too. Hearing the voice of God brought to them the knowledge that their holiness didn't measure up to God's. Question for you today, do you talk to yourself? Do you carry on an inner monologue inside your own mind? I think most people do. I hope I'm not crazy and the only one who does that. But I think most people do, right? You talk to yourself a little bit, you encourage yourself, you tell yourself things. And I've been told that if you're going to be a runner, you have to have that inner monologue that goes on. Because there are competing voices in your head when you run. I only know one of those voices. It's the one that says, you should quit, this is painful, stop now, right? But I think most runners hear that voice. But they also have the voice that says, you can do this. You're prepared, you've trained for this, you're fine. And if they can hear that voice and listen to that encouragement, it pushes them on to their goal. Again, there's a spiritual truth there, isn't there? When we hear the voice of God, when we hear God's voice talking to us, it's the only voice that can drown out all the other voices that are trying to get our attention. The voices that say, it's not worth it. God is asking you to sacrifice. He's asking you to do too much. The Christian life is too hard. You should just give up. But it's God's voice that can overcome all of those others. The one that said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Think about the things you hear from Jesus when we listen to his words. I am the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. I've prepared a place for you and I'm coming back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are the promises that Jesus gives. When you hear God's voice, you're hearing those promises from Jesus and keeping your focus as you run the race of your Christian life. Let's finish up the story in Matthew 17. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Again, we understand the fear of the disciples because they were in the presence of a holy God. 
They heard that voice of God and recognized that he was holy and they were not. And that was terrifying. But don't you love how Jesus treats them, touches them? He reminds them there's no reason for fear. Don't be afraid. The whole reason Jesus came to this earth was so that he could be the one calming the hearts of his disciples and all people. Reminding them that their holiness comes not from ourselves, but from Jesus who lived in our place. Do Jesus' words about not telling surprise you? Don't tell anyone? I mean, the disciples got to see something awesome, amazing, the unveiling of God's glory. Wouldn't they want to go tell other people about that? Well, Jesus had his reasons for asking them to wait. Mostly it was that people weren't ready yet to understand exactly why Jesus was here on earth. Even the disciples struggled to understand what purpose Jesus was on earth for. Maybe as we've seen in some of the miracles of Jesus as we read through the Gospels, you know that people are sort of looking at Jesus as this superhero, like a divine vending machine that if you push the right button, you can get food and you can get healing. And that's not why Jesus was here. Did you notice that there was until, the word until? Don't tell anyone until, until the Son of God has been raised from the dead. It was going to be the resurrection of Jesus that brought into sharper focus for the disciples what they got to see on the Mount of Transfiguration. It would become all the more clear that the glory they saw on that mountain is the same true God in Jesus who left his tomb. And it was the very thing, that realization that pushed the disciples on to be the witnesses of God that he called them to be. So why do we reflect on the transfiguration 2,000 years or so after it's happened? Why is it important for us to think about something like the transfiguration of Jesus? We weren't there like the disciples. Well, you know that coming up this Wednesday, we are entering another Lent season. It's that time on the church calendar when we stop and pause and think about all of the suffering that Jesus was willing to do, what he was willing to take on to pay for your sins and mine. And I'm sure you remember you remember in your life going through other Lenten seasons and maybe you think to yourself, Jesus doesn't look like God's son. When he suffers, when he stands silent, doesn't defend himself. He looks like anything but the powerful Son of God. So it's good for us to have these two bookends. The bookends of the Lenten season of the glory of God being revealed in Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and the celebration of his resurrection. The glory that we see when the Son of God was raised from the dead to guarantee that our sins are gone. It's so important because we know the competition for our attention in this world, don't we? We know how easy it is to let the busy life that we have in this world distract us from the glory that is waiting for us in heaven. We know how easily the worries and cares and the problems of this world weigh us down, take us away from the focus on Jesus. And it's only the voice of Jesus hearing that voice again and again, seeing his glory, focusing on that glory that leads us on our journey to our heavenly home. And then I think about Jesus' focus. Not once, not once did his focus waver from the purpose for which he came to this earth. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And that's you and me. 
Jesus came with one purpose and he finished his race. He crossed that finish line. He won for us the crown of eternal life by rising from the dead. And now you and I, as we run the race of our Christian life, we get to run with him. Jesus is right there with us and we know the victory is ours because Jesus has risen from the dead and so will we. The Apostle Paul expressed that same confidence in these words to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Some things to take away from the sermon today. Number one, when fears and worries come, we recall Jesus' glory. Let the troubles and the pains and the problems of this life drive you right back to the cross of Jesus where we find not only forgiveness, but the glory of Jesus to push us on. Number two, when other voices compete for our attention, we hear God's voice pointing us to Jesus. God's encouragement to listen to him so that we hear those promises of Jesus. Promises where Jesus reminds us that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Finally, number three, as we run our race, we know that Jesus has already won the victory. The finish line is in sight and Jesus already crossed it. He's already claimed the crown of life for you and me, a crown that he will reward us on the day that we are home with him in heaven. You've probably seen a, a team celebrate a championship at the end of, of a great season and, and hoist the trophy and, and get that trophy passed around. You know how it works. Everybody's got to touch it. Everybody wants to hold it. Maybe if it's a, a, a game on a field or on a court, it gets paraded around to the fans and they get a chance to hold on to that trophy too and just celebrate the championship. There's a good spiritual picture in that for us too. Jesus has already won the championship. He's already won the trophy. He already has the crown waiting for us. But when we get to heaven, we will all get to celebrate together the glory of our Lord Jesus and everything that he did to get us to that heavenly home. That's how we can run our race with focus on God's glory, on the glory of Jesus as remember his victory, remember his empty tomb, and look ahead to the ultimate victory that you and I will celebrate for an eternity with him in heaven. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.